Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus, dear friends. Part of God's word that we'll give our attention to today comes from the book of Ruth, chapter 1. Please listen. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And so a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilian. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malan and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. And may the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. This is the word of our God. If you've never read through this book of Ruth, or if it's been a little while since you've last read it, take 15 minutes this afternoon or this evening and give it a read. We already read the first chapter, so you only have three chapters left. Maybe it'll only take you 10 minutes. Besides being part of God's inspired word, the book of Ruth is really a short story masterpiece. It showcases the kind of faithfulness and love and humility 
that pleases God. It begins with a tragedy. Famine struck the land of Israel and forced a man named Elimelech and his wife Naomi and their sons to move from their hometown of Bethlehem to the foreign country of Moab in search of food. It's a little bit ironic because that word Bethlehem <coughs> literally means the house of bread. But at this time, there was no bread in Bethlehem. Well, once they arrived in Moab, things went from bad to worse for this family. First, we're told that Naomi's husband died. Then, a number of years later, both of her sons also died. And so she was left essentially alone in this foreign country, except for her two Moabite daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah. And so it's probably not too surprising that when news came that there was food again back in Israel, Naomi planned to pack up and leave to return home and to her people. But beyond the tragedy at the beginning, the book of Ruth is really a love story on a number of different levels. We see Naomi's love for her daughters-in-law, seeking to put their needs ahead of her own. We see Ruth's undying commitment to her mother-in-law, seeking to put Naomi's need ahead of her own. Both of these women display a faithful and fervent love for the Lord. And then later in the book, and I don't want to spoil the ending for you, we see the love between Ruth and a man named Boaz as they pledge themselves together in marriage. But by far, the greatest part of this love story in the book of Ruth is the love that God displays for his people. It's God's faithful love to Naomi and Ruth that fuels their love for one another. Properly focused love. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Properly focused love. Love that is worked in our hearts by God and love that is modeled after God's own love for us has no trouble finding a neighbor who needs to be loved. Both Ruth and Naomi provide clear examples of this in our story. We'll start with Naomi. Her name means pleasant. But in her opinion, considering all that had happened, well, she didn't feel like the name fit anymore. She was bitter. Her ordeal seems like almost too much for one person to bear. It's hard for us to really even imagine that same situation in our own lives. I mean, maybe we know what it's like to lose a job or a source of income. But to have to leave everything that we know behind and move to a foreign country just to try and make ends meet, just to try and put a little food on the table, that's something. I'm sure most of us know what it's like to lose a loved one. But to lose a husband and two sons in the span of a few years, that's a trial. I mean, Naomi was left essentially all alone, her family gone, and here she was in this strange land. 
How would you expect Naomi to react in such a situation? How would you react? I mean, would we be tempted to accuse God of being unfair and unloving to us? Would we wonder how we could continue to serve a God and follow Him when it seems like He was willing to just kind of stand by and let all of this happen to us? I think we'd all admit that a situation like the one that Naomi faced would be a supreme challenge to our faith. And no doubt Naomi had some bad days. We know that she offered some complaints to God. But despite her difficult life, we still see her love for the Lord and for others come shining through. Even as she lived in this foreign land among people who worshipped false gods, even through the deaths of her husband and her two sons, Naomi maintained her faith in the one true God. She must have even shared the word of God with her daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah, recognizing the need that they had for that message. And judging by Ruth's words and actions later in this story, it's clear that God's word had an impact on their hearts. And then when Naomi heard that God had come to the aid of his people and that there was food again in Israel, we see her love and concern once again for Ruth and Orpah. She probably could have pressured them. She probably could have made them feel kind of obligated to help their aging mother-in-law on this journey. And no doubt she could have used the help. Not only as she traveled back to Bethlehem, but once she arrived there as well. But Naomi was more concerned about their future than hers. More concerned about their needs than her own. She said to her daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. If they wanted to come with her, fine. But Naomi was not going to pressure them. Her focus on the Lord's great love for her led her to focus her love on the needs of others rather than on her own needs. Ruth also was in a pretty difficult situation. Here she had married this Israelite man and embraced his faith, but now he was gone. So where did that leave her? I mean, could she follow her mother-in-law back to a foreign land and a very uncertain future there? Could she stay here in Moab, surrounded by all this idolatry? But here at least, she would be with people that she knew. She would be with family. What would you do in her situation? You know, the first commandment says you shall have no other gods. It means that we are to fear, love, and trust in God above all things. To love God above all things means to love Him even more than our own lives or livelihood. It means that our relationship with Him is to take priority even over the prospect of finding a spouse. 
To love God above all things means to demonstrate a willingness to finally leave anything and everything behind for the sake of our God. When faced with this difficult situation and decision, Ruth's faithful love for both the Lord and others was put on display. Who in Moab would have faulted Ruth for sending Naomi away alone? I mean, after all, Ruth had lost a husband herself. Why should she forfeit the prospect of maybe finding another one by moving to a foreign country where many of the men there would be reluctant to marry a foreigner? But Ruth saw in Naomi a neighbor who was in need. And she was intent on doing all she could to help fill that need. Ruth would not let go of Naomi or her God. The words that flow from Ruth's heart are pure poetry. They display a living faith in the Lord and a focused love for others. Listen again. Ruth said to her mother-in-law, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. Clearly, Ruth was no longer a Moabite at heart. The Holy Spirit had worked faith in her heart, and that faith prompted her love not only for Naomi, but for the Lord too. Ruth wasn't interested in looking out only for herself, but also for her mother-in-law. Ruth wasn't interested in sticking around with the idolatry in Moab. She wanted to go back to Israel where she could be close to the Lord, learn more about Him and His saving ways, and be with His people. The oath that she made at the end of this statement to her mother-in-law, truly pretty similar to the promises that so many of us made on the day of our confirmation. Ruth would be willing to suffer anything, even death, rather than give up a loving God and Savior that she had come to know. The faithful, focused love of Ruth and Naomi in this story is pretty amazing. And even more so when we consider the time at which they lived. They lived during that period when the judges were ruling in Israel. The final verse of the book of Judges says this, In those days Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. Faithful, focused love for God and for others was a rare commodity. Many had turned their backs on the Lord. But in this story of Ruth, we see the light of faith shining brightly even in the midst of all of this darkness. How do we account for that? How is it possible? Well, again, Ruth is a love story. And behind the faithful love demonstrated by Ruth and Naomi stands the faithful love of the Lord in whom both had placed their hope. Think about the way that the Lord cared for Naomi. Naomi. Even through 
all of that misfortune that she faced, he didn't give her more than she could bear. He kept his promise to preserve a faithful remnant of people among whom Naomi was included. The Lord walked with her every step of the way in those difficult circumstances to keep her faith alive and to keep her love pure. How else can we explain the way that Naomi reacted in such a difficult circumstance? Ruth also is a living, breathing example of the power of God's love at work in people's lives. Remember, she was not an Israelite. She was a Moabite. She grew up far away from the people of Israel and from their God. But the Lord made sure that she learned about Him. The same famine that drove Naomi and her family away from their home brought them to Ruth in Moab with the message of salvation. Remember the passage. We know that in all things, God works for the good. And even though Ruth was not a part of the Israelite nation by birth, she had learned that God's promised salvation was for all. Even though she had been born and raised an idol worshiper, God brought her to repentance. And through faith in the coming Savior, He had forgiven her and included her as a member of His family. But you know, it's at the very end of this book, in a genealogy, that part of the story that we might be tempted to skim over a little bit as we read, where we find the greatest evidence of God's love on display in this account. In Ruth chapter 4, we're told that Boaz, that's the man that Ruth ended up marrying when she got to Israel, Boaz became the father of Obed, Ruth was Obed's mother, Obed became the father of Jesse, and Jesse became the father of David, King David, whose great descendant Jesus would be the fulfillment of all of God's promises to Naomi, to Ruth, and to the world. Not only had God brought Ruth into the family of believers, He had brought her into the family line of the Savior Himself. From Ruth's family would come the one who would pay for all sin and destroy death forever. The Savior who can comfort us in every sorrow, who can sustain us through every tragedy, and who can provide for us in every need, both now and in eternity. He would come as promised. And so we can admire the faithful, focused love of Naomi and Ruth, but behind their love, we see the faithful love of the Lord. As He went to work in their lives to carry out His great plan of salvation for them and for all of us too. And it's important for us to keep that in mind. That this same God with His same faithful love is still at work in our lives. You know, Ruth and Naomi lived at a time when everyone did as they saw fit. Sounds like a pretty good description of the world in which we live, doesn't it? People do what they want. They're focused primarily on themselves. Rarely are they interested in what God thinks or says about a situation. They want to know only what seems best and right for them. And living in a world like this could make it very easy for us to take on 
that same kind of attitude. And at times, we do. At times, we ignore the needs of those around us. We turn a blind eye to it, thinking that the time and effort and expense of helping them is a little more than we're willing to invest. We sometimes see the needs of others around us as a distraction, an unwanted interruption on whatever we happen to be focused on at that given time. Think about those two men in Jesus' story who passed by on the other side of the road. And so praise God that he did not and he does not pass by us in our need. The forgiveness that Christ won for us and freely gives to us, that warms our hearts and leads us to follow him regardless of what so many others in our world are doing. At a time when everyone basically does as they see fit, God points us in another direction. He gives us that focus that we need to be like Naomi, to continue to trust God in good times and bad, and to put the needs of others ahead of our own, to be like Ruth, to be willing to give up every earthly thing to stay close to our God, to forfeit what makes us comfortable in order to be able to serve others. This kind of faithful, focused love is a rare commodity in our world today. But thanks to God's love for us in Jesus, it does still exist. And there are certainly plenty of opportunities for us to put it on display. We just have to look around. We just have to take those blinders off to consider the needs of the people that God brings close to us on a daily basis and then ask ourselves that question that the Apostle Paul suggested in our first reading today. How can we make one more payment against that outstanding debt of love that we owe to all? Properly focused love has no trouble finding a neighbor in need. Amen. And may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.